Hi everyone, this is Justin Latta. Before we get back to the next episode of Smoke Signals, I just wanted to let everybody know why we didn't have a podcast last week. Personally, I haven't been tweeting about baseball as much, I haven't been writing as much, and I didn't feel it was important to podcast last week uh, with everything going on in our country, with the murder of George Floyd and the protests uh, and racial injustice. I thought it was more important for those issues to be amplified over the last week, especially given what's going on in baseball and making it difficult to um, return to play this season with their negotiations. Uh, It did not quite seem as important. So again, I don't speak for anybody else at IBI or officially for IBI, but um, that's just why we didn't podcast last week, and that's why I've taken a break from the baseball climate over the last week, and I hope that we see some change for good in the world and a lot of players speaking out. Um, around baseball and other sports, and I hope that allows us to get back to regular programming um, with the podcast and IBI. So thanks for listening to this, and thanks for listening to the podcast as always, and enjoy. Hey, this is Smoke Signals. Welcome back. I know it's been a bit of a break, a lot going on in the world. Uh, I'm Justin Latta, joined by Willie Hood, as always. Um, I don't speak for everybody, but I I personally just needed the break from baseball. I haven't really tweeted much about it. I'm trying to let things play out and get the attention they deserve. And, um, you know, I definitely think that letting, letting movements and standing for what's good and social justice uh, need to take precedence. That's, that's why I personally taken a break from baseball and I don't speak for anybody else on that, but I thought that was the more important thing to focus on right now is, is standing behind um, inequality and, you know, we're all people and we need to let um, everyone to be treated equally and fairly by everybody in, in all walks of life. And I just wanted to take that break personally um, to let that message get out rather than bog it down with baseball. I know a lot of people are looking for distractions all the time, but um, <clears throat> to me, I, I didn't think it was a time for distraction or anything going on. I think it was something that needed to be addressed. And um, I'm ready to, to get back to talking about baseball and hoping all that happens at the same time. Um, there's a lot to talk about finally on baseball and the drafts coming up. So, Welcome, or not welcome back, but just um, good to be talking baseball again with you, Willie. Thanks for having me again, Justin, and I agree with what you said there. Um, personally, I needed a, a little bit of a break for, for things that were going on in my own personal life, so uh, I won't get into all of that, but excited to hear that uh, baseball may be returning, and I just don't know which report to, to believe at this point um, <laughs> between some of the folks. <laughs> Some seem to be uh, doomsday sayers and, and others seem to say, well, it, it, there could be a season, you know, so I don't know which way to go at this point. But uh, I'm hopeful that we will have some sort of baseball. And uh, I tend to believe that players and owners will try to get something worked out as, as soon as possible. Yeah, I. it seems like it would be stupid to let things go because, you know, if there's no season, then in addition to no revenue coming in from ticket sales and concessions and merchandise, there's no TV money, which is the big driver of revenue anyway. 
So it would be really ridiculous if they decided not to play and they lost all that money on top of that. So at some point, someone's going to have to realize that I, you know, I hope that it ends up in a fair deal, but um, I'm still, I think I I was day to day. Now it's more week to week because the news hasn't been moving as fast as we'd like uh, at least baseball perspective. You know, the play, the owners before last time we talked, it was, we still didn't have any real proposals going on and MLB's first return to play was um, further pay cuts for the players than the pro rate salaries they agreed upon back in March. And obviously it broke down to the higher, the more money you made, the more, the, the more money you sacrificed in their pay, their pay cuts. You know, Jeff Passan of ESPN had the breakdown of 82 game prorated schedule would have been, you know, if you make 17.7 million, you would make 7.84 million. Um, and if you made 285 K, which I don't, I, that must be a split contract. So I thought the minimum was 550, but that, that could be, that could be, um, Oh, I guess that maybe would be half of the rookie salary. So you'd make 262. So you'd make more of your money if you made less of it. And the players countered with a 114 game schedule with full prorated salaries based on that schedule. Um, deferred salaries 2020 if postseason was canceled this year, you know, in the event that another epidemic or another pandemic breaks out as far as the virus having a second wave and they had to cancel the postseason. Uh, a 14 game playoff for two years. And then, of course, baseball countered with the 50 game season that prorated. So they were willing to give players the prorated salary that they were supposed to make, but only in a 50 game schedule. Um, and the players obviously didn't like that. So it seems that the middle of 114 and 50 is 81 or 82, right? Um, 82. Just a minute. I, I just, yeah, I just think that, you know, we're sitting here talking on June 4th. At what point do they finally have to say this is the make or break point? Because are you really going to get that middle ground in? Because players aren't even back to spring training yet. And you've got to get them back in shape to play and be and safely. And you got to figure a whole bunch of other things out past the money point. So at what point are we going to actually see them say this is a make or break deadline? Because I think originally the rumor was, you know, June spring training part two and July 4th, uh, we start playing. I have a hard time thinking that's going to happen because it's, it's already June 4th and there's nobody in spring training and they don't have an agreement yet. And they would be rushing back in at this point. Um, I mean, it, it's going to take a few weeks to get things fired up, and, and they're looking for at least a three-week spring training for the players. A lot of them have worked to stay in shape, and, you know, um, pitchers are, are still throwing uh, bullpens. So uh, some of these guys should be pretty well ready to go um, from the beginning of spring training. But at the same time, there's a, quite a few guys who haven't been able to keep the conditioning that they would normally would too um not being able to to see all of the oh pitching coaches and all of that and i know you know the world is run by zoom right now or so it feels like to me anyways um <laughs> i think everybody's using some sort of uh um video conferencing to to uh chat with the with their peers and you know um i i think you can only get so much in that though. It, there's a whole nother thing when you have a pitching coach standing there watching you and telling you, you know, you, you need to make this adjustment or let's, let's try this a little bit differently. Um, you know, so there, there are some things that it, it's going to kind of uh, go on the fly, so to speak. 
Um, I, I, I think it's interesting that the players counted with 114 play, uh, games when the, when the owners came out and said, we wanted 82 and, you know, then they back it off down to 50. Well, middle ground is 82. You know, <laughs> if you divide the divide 64 by, by two and you get 32. So add 32 to 50 and you get 82, you know, or you subtract it from the 114. And either way you go, 82 is middle ground on this. And I think right now, you know, I think the soft deadline has to be the end of next week, which is obviously the draft on Wednesday and Thursday, but uh, potentially Friday of next week. And you're still, you're still looking at into uh, July before three weeks of spring training is complete. It could be mid July. I, you know, I think some of us uh, discussed when we thought baseball would pick back up, and a lot of people thought, um, a lot of people thought that it would be in early July. And July Fourth weekend definitely makes a lot of sense. But I kind of threw out mid July when I thought it would probably happen, and right now that's looking pretty good. <laughs> yeah, if there is baseball. <laughs> I can't imagine they can rush back at this point to make July Fourth weekend. Just it just wouldn't yeah, I be. Don't see it. it wouldn't be good for the players' health. And that virus, notwithstanding, it wouldn't be good for arm care and and players just being in any kind of game shape and and having enough game enough reps to face live pitching or face live batters. It's just it wouldn't the quality wouldn't be good, and you'd be risking injury on top of everything else. Sure, and. and- I think you're talking about impacting the level of play too. Um, I, I want my guys at the best ability. If we're talking about an 82 game season, I want everyone sharp as can be. I want everyone to be healthy and I don't want to risk an injury trying to ramp them up too fast. Um, can't expect, you know, Shane Bieber to come out and, and throw seven innings when he hasn't been throwing that many pitches. Uh, I'm assuming he's he's keeping a, a good number in the bullpen, but at the same time, throwing a bullpen and pitching in a game is entirely different. Yeah, I, I don't think you'll – I don't think it's the amount of innings for pitchers so much. I mean, yeah, you want your best pitchers to throw the most innings or the in the most leveraged spots, obviously. That's common sense anyway. But the teams with deeper pitching staffs, you know, possibly like the Indians, could benefit from that because they would have – more pitchers to throw out there. I don't think it's necessarily that. I think it's like you mentioned the quality of play, but at some point I feel like <clears throat> for baseball's sake, revenue wise and for fans sake, uh, the quality of play is probably not going to be as big an issue as you would think, because people are probably willing to watch anything. And I think players just want to play. <clears throat> and that's totally fair. Um, but at least in the Indians case, I think that they're well stocked enough with pitching that they, and, and that's even without Emmanuel Classe for all but what, maybe five games this year? Who knows? <clears throat> but, uh, they might have enough to where it's not a big deal. You can run guys in after, you know, a Bieber or a Clevenger when you have Carrasco and McKenzie and Plesak and Plutko and um, <clears throat> Scott Moss and Sam Henches. Savali you know, and Karinczak. And, yeah. I mean, we, there's a lot of depth there. We didn't even know who was going to make the starting rotation, you know, health notwithstanding. Now it's going to be an expanded roster, no doubt. So now you have multiple pitchers on the staff. It's not going to make a difference. So I would worry about less how many innings guys can throw and, and worry about 
how many guys you have that are better than the other team's guys that you can throw in after one guy going four or five innings. <clears throat> but, you know, in, when sp- in normal spring training, pitchers are always ahead of the hitters anyway because they're there earlier and they have to build up and hitters are a little bit behind. So that would end up being the case here is they would potentially rush them back and the hitters are, you know, getting 12, 20 at bats in spring training and, and hitting hitting the regular season. And then before you know it, after 40 games, there's like a bunch of guys hitting a buck 18. You're like, what the heck? It'll definitely affect the quality of play, but I, I think you did make a good point there. Is it, I would be happy to watch a bunch of four A guys right now, you know? So <laughs> absolutely. Um, I, I know people like to, to rip some, some fringe major league guys that, you know, they make a career going back and forth, but Hey, you know, they're playing at the highest level. If you, if you can say you're a professional baseball player, you're playing at the highest level. These guys are sharp. Some of the best players in the world. And, and, you know, I, I think you're absolutely right that, uh, Hey, I would enjoy watching some of the uh, so-called quad a guys right now. Um, give me a good single leg game. I don't care. I'll watch about anything right now. <laughs> For sure. I think anybody would. <clears throat> the other thing too, I wanted to, to point out is that I saw today, on baseball America that there is a potential idea of expanding the Arizona fall league this year, which typically runs September to late October. Uh, and there's a lot of MLB officials who um, are a part of this planning. So you would potentially have uh, more AFL teams. So you could kind of make up for some of the lost minor league reps at the end of the season, assuming, you know, by October, uh, you know, September and October, things are still safe for them to play. We don't know what that's going to look like yet. Um, but if it is safe enough for them to play in, the, in that time of year, I'm pretty excited about that because you still get these players valuable refs. And I'm, I'm sure games will be on TV because the Arizona Fall League does get a little bit of TV time. I know be network and I'm sure ESPN or somebody else would pick up some of those games too. So I'm <laughs> – just because, you know, you and I both like prospects and, and enjoy that side of the game the most. Um, I I would be even more excited just to learn that there might be minor league season, even if it's abbreviated the, at the end of the year, uh, if it's safe to do so. That would be a huge success, I think, for baseball if, if that happens. Because as, as you know, these prospects are not part of the union, so there's really no – there's nearly not a whole lot of negotiating to go there. If they think they should do it, players will probably go because it's going to be good for their career if they do it. Um, and the money's not going to change for them anyway, because unfortunately they have no seat at the table, but um, I would still be glad to see it as long as, you know, things go right. Absolutely. Uh, it's something that I've mentioned uh, several times on, on Twitter and to, and to some of the folks that I speak with. Um, I've felt for a long time that that would be the the wise thing and probably would be the plan for uh, the minor leagues is basically to postpone it or to delay it, which would come in the fall of the year, as you know, you mentioned that they're talking about doing that. Um, You know, I I applaud MLB for looking for some creative uh, paths for their players, even the minor leaguers to um, get this development time. These players need that. They need to take at bats. They need to be pitching. They need to work on the craft. Um, as you said, you know, I, I think these guys would see that it's beneficial for their career, uh, time to develop, whether it's a, a breaking pitch or, or time to recognize, you know, that breaking pitch as a hitter, um, uh, 
work on some things defensively, working on your footwork around the bags, things like that, that you only get through reps. You can watch videos all day. You can hack at a tee all day. Um, you can do long toss all day, but you still got to get out there and play the game. Those things help. They help polish and, and they're part of the game. Um, but, uh, you know, you, you still need the reps on the field. And if they can do that, I think it would be beneficial for all of the players and, and for, um, you know, for us as fans, I think it would definitely be beneficial for everyone's mental health right now to be able to turn on the TV and escape uh, some of our harsh realities, whether we face those in our life or face those turning on the news. You know, uh, I think it's good to uh, watch these professional athletes, good to break away from life and, and just enjoy some th simple things in life that are meaningful and kind of give us pleasure, you know. Uh, I've learned through all of this, I think, to, to enjoy those things more when we do have them back. Um, maybe complain less and enjoy more. <laughs> yeah, I would definitely agree as, as far as sports are concerned. Um, that's definitely true. I would like to think that it's, <laughs> except for I, I did see today that, um, I think it was Max Kellerman on ESPN was saying, nobody cares about hockey. And I'm like, okay, well, the Max Kellerman's a boxing guy. And uh, he was saying nobody cares about hockey if they don't make it back to play this year or whatever. And people like that are stupid because I don't know, maybe stupid's a hard word, but the harsh word, but we should really enjoy it more when it's around and, and there aren't life threatening situations going on or health threatening situations going on, whether what sport it is, let people enjoy that. Uh, pretty stupid comment to, to make from somebody working from a, for a sports network and like boxing is much more popular these days, but um, that's not really the point. Um, I definitely agree with you. The other thing I wanted to talk about real quick too was um, well, actually let, let's, I want to ask you this, a 50 game season. Let's just, I don't think it's going to be 50 games, but do you think the Indians benefit more from there being a 50 games season? Or do you think that they, it would be a tougher for them. That is a, <laughs> I think that question could go either way, to be honest with you, because they seem to be slow starters and, and then kind of hit their stride in summer. But if they're starting in summer, are they going to start in their stride? Um, you know, I think it benefits teams that have good pitching. Um, teams that are, they're going to be ahead will probably be able to get a few games that will matter toward the end. You know, so, you know, if, if the Indians um, pitching is all healthy and I expect Clevenger to be healthy now, you know, um, he's had plenty of time to get back. Uh, Tyler Naquin may be back out in the outfield to, to pair with Jordan Luplo or Daniel Johnson or whatever direction the Indians take there. Um, who knows at this point uh, what the, the roster will actually look like. Um, you know, I, I think it's a good question, but I, I think it does benefit teams that, have the good pitching. I think it's going to come down to pitching in bullpen, and I think it'll be really tight toward the end. I think you're talking about division races of one or two games. Of course, you know, obviously when you have it packed down to just 50 games, you know, it is going to be that short, but those games that will matter will be the ones right at the beginning of the season. Every game counts. It's going to be a playoff run, so it'd be very exciting. It'd be like uh, the Indians last year, the second half, trying to trying to catch the uh, twins, you know? So when you have that sense of in the, in the park and too bad fans can't be there for all of this, but uh, you know, I, I think a lot of people will be tuning in uh, once it does get on TV or if it, if it is, uh, if baseball does return this year. 
Yeah, that's true. I mean, the, and the second half was fun last year as far as at least they were unfortunately behind. And they fell just short and obviously had some injuries. And any sort of injury at this point would be really detrimental to anybody given the short window. But I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of with you. It could go either way. I would think if everybody, you know, everyone's given equal footing with, with pitching and um, the schedule, you know, because the thing with baseball is when you play it out of 162 games, things tend to reveal themselves more like a bad bullpen or bad pitching, you know, it tends to impact your season. Whereas in a short stretch, you can have anybody do well, you know, anybody can get hot and play well for a short stretch of time. But the marathon is what kind of separates everybody in a 50 game or even an 82 game sprints half a season. I kind of feel like, yeah, yeah, the Indians may have an, you know, an advantage with the pitching they have, but at the same time, it takes away their advantage of having that pitching because I think the twins and the white Sox, especially if we're talking about the AL central, we don't know who's going to play who, if, if they scramble the divisions for travel, I would assume they still play the white Sox, maybe not Minnesota if that happens, but let's just say for that sake, they're, they're in the same, they're playing in the same division. Um, you know, Minnesota and Chicago kind of level the playing field with a shorter season because they don't have to have their pitching carry them for a six month season. They only need their pitching to be good enough to carry them in a short stretch and in a short stretch, anything can happen. You know, the Indians could have had that separator and that their pitching could have held them up for a full season. Um, we don't know about their hitting, but now we know, we know they're, you know, Rich Hill for the twins, for example, is going to be healthy. And um, I don't know what's going to happen. Michael Pineda, but, you know, they're going to have in the White Sox <clears throat> didn't have a whole lot of depth pitching wise, but they had a few decent guys at the top of the rotation with Giolito and Keuchel and um, some other guys that emerged last year, maybe getting Michael Kopech back. I think that does kind of trim the gap a little bit when you talk about a short sprint. And I think that's where they lose their advantage. Yeah, I, I agree with you. Um, you know, I, it's hard to really say one way or the other, you know, it, it's, Really, it's trying to make an educated guess, but you're really throwing a dart at the dartboard with your eyes closed and hoping you're going to hit the dartboard. Um, you know, I think it could go either way. What if, what if, say, the, the Twins are in the Indians division and uh, Cano is hot? You know, he starts the season hot and ends up hitting 20 homers in 50 games and, and leads that offense. You know, and they end up putting up a lot of softball scores. Um, that could happen, too. It could go that direction. So it, it could go any way, really. Um, I hope that, you know, um, Tito seems to work through the roster um, and figure out who who's the best best players are, what's the best roles. It usually takes a while. Um, you know, you don't have that time period to do that. You have to kind of come out with your best guys right away, I think, and, and it makes less, uh, less margin for error. But, uh, you know, I think Tito is a quality manager. Um, which may be underestimating him. <laughs> uh, I, I like Tito. I know there's those who like to gripe and complain about him. Uh, he's not perfect, but he's still a, a good, a good manager. Um, you know, I, I think that uh, with, with the bullpen and with the pitching depth that the Indians have, it just seems like they would have an, an advantage to me, but at the same time, you know, that may be nullified because of this too. Yeah, I mean, truly, it could go either way. Um, 
just because, you know, in, in short samples in baseball, like we said, anything can happen. Anybody can be good for <clears throat> two weeks or anybody could struggle for two weeks. I mean, look at Jose Ramirez last year. You know, he was terrible for the whole first half. Yeah. Um, and then towards the end of the year, he looked like the Jose Ramirez that we knew and <laughs> came back after not playing for uh, three or four weeks. No, no rehab starts because minor league baseball was over and hit two home runs in his first two at bats. And then his season was over. So that's pretty much proof that anything can happen over a short stretch. So it would make baseball more exciting. I think more people would be out. I mean, with everything going on, I think people would possibly be more apt to tune in just to have baseball back, but also to realize, because, you know, everyone says, well, there's a game every night or there's too many games. Well, now there won't be too many games. And, uh, you know, the games are going to matter more because the, of the stakes and not a lot of time to play catch up. So, you know, maybe it sparks a more interesting season. I don't know. I would like to think I, that'll be the case. Yeah, I, I think so. I think it would be beneficial for the game um, to to make sure that there is a season. Um, all safety precautions and everything that need right. to be taken care of to make sure it, it happens. But I, I do think that they need to make sure that there is a game for the for the game itself. And I think it's good for uh, the mental health of our society. Do I yeah. think everyone needs it right now? I think we all need that escape. Um, uh, and I'm not preaching escapism when I say that, but uh, I, I think it is good for good for folks, especially when you see so much uh, trauma, traumatic stuff that's going on in, in our world today. You know, uh, even with the virus and, and all that's going on in our society, uh, I think we need a little bit of healing. And I think some of that comes through the the fellowship and the friendships that are built through sports. That's a great point. I was just going to say that that you know sports do tend to unite us in ways that um, we should unite ourselves normally. You know, like we talked about, everyone is is the same. We're all human beings, and we should all want everybody to be treated treated the same and treated fairly. And um, I think sports is one of those ways that brings people together from walks of life that, for whatever reason aren't necessarily normally coming together. And I think that's why there's I partly, I think that's why there's so much focus on everything else going on because there is no sports and maybe that is a good thing to me. That was a good thing, I guess, in some ways um, to deal with situations at hand, but I, I totally agree with you. I think sports can be part of the healing process and it would be a really bad look for baseball if they weren't part of it and they couldn't get something done. Now I'm not saying, you know, the players should cave and, you know, let the owners push them over like they have the last two, you know, collective bargaining agreements. But I think there needs to be more. They're just so bitter. I think each side is just, is, you know, the, the, the owners are arguing for the media, which I think is a horrible way to go about it. And the, and the players are getting smeared pretty badly and, and they have such a poor way of getting their message out. They're not, doing a great job. And I, I personally, to me, that comes out through leadership. I, I don't think Tony Clark is doing a great job being a um, union leader. I think they need a better voice to do that. I would, I would pick Trevor Bauer if I was being honest to, to do that. I know a lot of players may not agree with that, but you know, he's got a, a better platform and. Absolutely. I don't, I don't understand. He has, better, he, has, he has a better platform than MLB. Yeah, he absolutely does. Now, that's what's amazing to me is that there's so many people who are uh, – it just seems like the players are getting crushed in the public eye 
when Trevor Bauer definitely has more of a voice. And maybe that's just assuming that's happened. I don't know. I, I, I guess I, I can't get a uh, social media is not an accurate representation of, of real life. Thank goodness. You know, but <laughs> it just feels some, sometimes that the players are getting run over in all this because MLB is, is negotiating for the media and it's a bad tactic. And for some reason, baseball or the players messaging just isn't as good. And I think Bauer would do a better job of it than Tony Clark. Um, I, uh, it- I have long expressed my, um, I'll say affection for Trevor Bauer. Don't have to agree with everything he says or, or has done. Um, but I think he's been a revolutionary player for the game on a lot of fronts, not only the analytical, um, you know, the, the line drive, um, uh, gee whiz, all, all of, all of that, that he's brought into the game, the, the long tossing. And I remember when he first came in and first came up, people weren't as accepting of, of, of all of his different training techniques, but nowadays, you know, they are, they're pretty, uh, normal. You know, and he's normalized that in the game. I think he's been a revolutionary player for the game, but also on the uh, on the media aspect too, where he has used his platform uh, via Twitter, and and then he's doing momentum and he's selling T-shirts and these other things that he's that he's done in hosting these games. Um, you know, the pickup games that he had a, a month or two ago. Um, you know, I think he's just given himself a great platform. I think he would be an excellent rep for the players. Um, as I said, just just because you don't agree with everything somebody says doesn't mean you don't have to stand beside them. Um, you know, I, I see the value that he's brought and the change that he's brought to the game just in the last, what is it? Seven or eight years. Yeah. From a pure baseball perspective, if you're talking about him being a leader in terms of players and the game itself, um, I don't think you can disagree with anything that he's done in that respect. I, I think he's good for the game as far as, like I said, everything going on on the field, there's nothing bad. I mean, yeah, he threw the ball over a center field wall last year when he was taken out of a game. That that doesn't look great. Sure. And he's uh, pissed some teammates off, I guess. And the drone thing, people get mad about, whatever. But, um, no, I agree. He's He's been revolutionary. I think people are going to look back at he's been a major game changer uh, in a lot of ways for the sport. And I, I think for sure they would do a better job. I mean, Tony Clark's not a lawyer. They've had, that's the thing is major league baseball's had, or the players association have had lawyers representing them before Tony Clark is a player representing them. And, you know, they're going up against lawyers. Like you're going up against Rob Manfred, who at one time was, I think was a union rep or not, not there. He was at least a union lawyer. And now he's fighting. Yeah. Manfred is a uh, Cornell educated lawyer. Right. Yeah. So you've got Tony Clark. Yeah. I mean, I'm not saying Tony Clark's not smart and, and Rob Manfred's smarter, but I, I don't know. Maybe you need someone with, you know, some more tools in their tool bag to, to negotiate for you than Tony Clark. Like I said, that's no disrespect to him. It's just maybe there's someone more qualified to be doing this than him that would do a better job. And that that's, you know, that could be said of anybody in any, any profession sometimes. Yeah, um, I don't, yeah. I don't hear you trying to slight Tony Clark in any way. It's just he, the work for the players has not been effective as, as it should be. I'll say it that way. 
Uh, and maybe that's when you bring in consultants to, to guide you. When you don't know, when you don't have those capabilities yourself, bring in other folks around you to compliment you and to end the day kind of make you look good. <laughs> you know, right. bring in some advisors, bring in some, some folks to, to give him a little bit of insight that he may not have, you know, whether it be him or, or a change in guard, which I, I personally feel like does need to happen. I don't think the last uh, few CBAs have turned out well. Uh, and I do think you can kind of pin that on him. That and the players, I know the last CBA, they shut out the agents. So there were a lot of agents who normally would have been involved. Um, they were not part of the negotiation, which was very weird at the time, but now you're seeing, I, I remember specifically seeing agents tweet about how bad that was at the time. And now you're seeing that play out. The last thing too, I wanted to note about this. I, I didn't mean to go into this topic for so long, but the last thing I wanted to note was I saw a lot of people dragging base metal beef through the mud about NBA has a return to play date and they have their protocols all set and ready to go. Um, the NBA is, is going straight to the playoffs. They had like 12 or 13 games left or 20 games left. Maybe players were all pretty much paid out. There wasn't much of the season left. Um, little, it was a little bit easier to reach the finish line in their negotiations. Whereas baseball, you know, not so much, not, not that I'm saying baseball's done a great job of working through their issues on this at all. Then they obviously have not, but, um, it really can't compare what the NBA agreed to versus what the MLB is going through because uh, the NHL and the NBA were pretty much almost at the finish of the season anyway. Yeah. Uh, as I said, I'm, I'm hoping for baseball to return and, and, you know, going back to our early part of our conversation, hopefully we will find out something soon. Um, it's not looking good for early July, but maybe mid July is looking better right now, you know? Um, but uh, I'm, I'm still trying to keep the faith, but I don't know which reports to believe anymore on social media. You know, you have one saying things look good and you have another one saying it, it's clouds and, and doom and gloom, you know? So uh, right now I, I'm just trying to, to look forward to the draft. And as the draft approaches, you know, you, you hear about these, uh, players being released and, and I know there were some Indians players that were released uh, over the weekend and uh, I know you and I want to talk about that a little bit. Yeah well, let's get into that as we wrap this up for sure um, I wanted to spend the last half of the podcast on this so quickly I'm just going to run through the names on here of who was released and kind of give them their due for the service the organization and um, you know there were a lot of teams I will say that released like a handful of players like we're talking 20 30 players like mlb or, um, baseball america's transactions list had just pages of players being released by the same organization and i think the indians had one two three four five six seven eight nine ten eleven which was a very low number comparatively and i think a lot of these guys would probably have not made it out of spring training and had the rosters not frozen and it was uh ty boyles who Came over from the Reds organization who pitched in like two or three spring training games. He hadn't been here long. Really big dude, if you didn't notice. Uh, Wes ha uh, Hesleback. Uh, I really don't know who that is, to be honest with you. Minor league signing. Uh, Mike Pappy, who was a bigger name, who was a first-round pick, um, I believe, in 2015, 2016, I want to say. Gosh, it's been, it's been a while. Uh, no, you know what? He would have been 2014 because – that was the same year they took um, 
Bradley Zimmer. Uh, he was released, just stalled out in AAA. Zach Weiss, who was a minor league uh, signing. Jan Pelufo, who was a Rule 5 pick. Uh, Alexis Pantoja, who I actually really liked as a shortstop initially. Um, and Carlos Bayerga was really high on him. He played his uh, Dominican Winter Leagues. Bayerga was a big fan, and Pantoja was, all, was also living with Francisco Lindor when he was playing in Akron. So uh, trails for him. Uh, Jason Rodriguez was a catching prospect who really never advanced very far. David Spear, um, really smart guy. I believe he's an Ivy leaguer. I forget where he went. It might've been Columbia. I can't remember. Smart guy. One of the smartest. Yes, it was. Yeah. One of the smartest players I've ever talked to in the Indians organization. Really nice guy. Um, Left-handed pitcher, Kyle Crockett ish, just, you know, with everything going on with the three batter minimum and all that, um, you know, just didn't really have enough to keep up with the Kyle Nelson's, Felix Tati was just an arm that wasn't progressing. Gunnar Leger was a um, undrafted free agent, and Brendan Meyer I actually did not see on the list, uh, or I did not know who that was before this. So, any other names or any names on that list you want to just give a quick thought on, or have any other thoughts on? Uh, Brendan Meyer signed about two years ago as an undrafted free agent. He was already twenty three at the time. Okay. Um, I can't remember what school, but he played down in Arizona, the Arizona League. I don't know if he ever got up to Mahoning Valley or not. Um, really, a couple of names stand out there to me. Zach Weiss, I, I told you, we talked about him earlier in the year. Uh, I mentioned when he first signed with the Indians, it was during spring training. I've I've seen him pitch for the Reds. Uh, a guy that got a cup of coffee, and I think his ERA is uh, old. Let's just say his ERA is out of this world. Uh, Jan Palufo surprised me a little bit. He's a, a guy that I thought would have some intrigue for them. Uh, I think he's only 23. Very slender guy, though. I, I believe he was like 6'3", 160. Throws low 90s, can get it up into the mid-90s. They picked him up in the Roll 5 draft from the Orioles. Um, not quite sure how to say Panto Pantoa. Mm-hmm. Um, he's a guy I thought actually had some you know, some prospect value, I, I thought could be uh, potentially maybe a bench type guy at, at some point in his career. And I don't remember how old he is, but he seems like he's still relatively young because he was so young when he was drafted. Um, as you mentioned, uh, David Spear, very intelligent guy, um, a, a guy that probably got pinched because of the changes in the game. Uh, I believe uh, Ty Boyles is another guy that got a cup of coffee at one point in time. I know he's been on a lot of time trying to get up with the Reds and, and with a couple of other organizations. Um, Gunner Ledger signed as an undrafted drafted free agent, I think from Louisiana. Um, he had a, a steel rod put in, put in his thigh after having a cyst removed and ended up missing the, the year with that and then also Tommy John surgery. So he was recovering from injuries. But of the list, you have 11 guys here. Six of those guys were brand new to the organization. The other five had kind of stalled out a little bit or kind of reached where they were going to peak out in the organization. Um, you know, when I see the Yankees releasing 45 guys and the Indians releasing 11, uh, I, you know, I don't like the fact the Indians released any players right now, but I applaud them for keeping the ones that they have. When I see the Cubs releasing, I think it's near 50 players. Teams with a lot more, you know, revenues, flowing in. And I know that releasing these guys, um, some of them 
means that they'll have opportunity to move on. But right now everything is frozen, you know, so um, I, I'm concerned some of these guys uh, won't have that opportunity for them because of the cut with the minor leagues too. Um, some of these guys, as I said, you know, they, they're still going to pursue on and probably, probably a few of them will end up in independent ball when it when ball does start up. Um, but I, I'll say thank you to all of them that have contributed to the Indians organization and I wish them all the best. Yeah. Same here. Definitely hope that they're able to find another opportunity. It's never good to see someone get released. And some of these guys I've had a chance to talk to, uh, or got, you know, information on over the years, just seeing them in the clubhouse and hear other guys talk about them. And, um, yeah, it's never good pandemic or not to see these guys released and not know what's going to happen to them. So I wish them the best of luck and, you know, hopefully they catch on elsewhere at some point. And there's no more releases this year. Um, draft is next week, believe it or not. I can't believe it's, I mean, when it was supposed to be originally this week, but next week is the five round draft. Um, new mock drafts out over the past week since we, well, it's been two or three weeks since we've talked, honestly. So the new mocks out there are this, uh, Keith law from the athletic has Tanner Witt going to the Indians at 23, uh, prep right-hander who's six, six committed to the university of Texas baseball. America has, um, I believe it's Mississippi or is it Missouri state? No, it's Mississippi. State. Yeah. Jordan Westberg at 23. Who's a, a shortstop. And then catcher from uh, where is he from? Austin Wells. You know, see, you know more about the draft than I do. At thirty-six, yeah. Wells is from Arizona. Uh, he is a catcher in college and has experience at first base and left field. Has actually played, I believe, both corners in the outfield. Sure. Um, MLB Pipeline has Dylan Dingler now, and, and they have for some time too. Jonathan Mayo and, and Jim Callis uh, have both kind of sat on Dylan Dingler as, as the pick for the Indians. A lot of speculation that he goes in and potentially is the first catcher off of the board. Fangraphs has Jared Kelly at 23. And then uh, Kylie McDaniel also had Jared Kelly to the, to the Indians at 23 in his most recent month, but he hasn't updated it since May the 26th. So it's been a few weeks for him or, or a week or so for him. Uh, I expect he'll probably have something coming out either tomorrow or in the next few days as, as the draft approaches. Uh, as far as Tanner Witt goes, I think he makes a lot of sense um, aesthetically, so to speak. He, he checks a lot of boxes for the Indians draft model. I like him. Uh, as you said, he's a big kid, six foot, 200 pounds, about the same size as uh, Ethan Hankin was, Hankins was when he was drafted. Um, four pitch pitcher, average to above control, can also play a, a really good third base. A lot of questions about the bat at third base, but he's a guy with plus plus power. Um, some teams may actually like him better at third base, but a lot of the rankings I'm seeing on him have him in the thirties and the forties. And I, I have him kind of in my mid thirties right now. Um, if he went as high as 23 to the Indians, it would probably be because of price. In my opinion, they were trying to fit him in their, uh, their pool allotment. So, you know, if, if they were going to, uh, draft Tanner Witt, I, I, I think it would possibly be at, at 36, but I could see 20, uh, 23 as well uh, for them. Jordan Westberg mentioned by BA. I don't really agree with this uh, particular pick largely because of 
the uh, strikeout rate. Uh, I believe it's a 25% career strikeout rate for Westberg. And I mean, he does walk at about a 12% clip too, which helps nullify that. But obvious questions about the bat. Uh, is he going to stay at shortstop? He's a bigger guy. I think 6'3", 6'4". Um, listed at different weights, anywhere from 190 to 210. I'll just say he's 200. Um, but I, I think there's a lot of talent there, but the 25% strikeout rate scares me. I, I think it would scare the Indians off. Austin Wells, uh, you know, he's a guy I like. Another guy that walks a lot, really I think he's going to be a solid hitter. Somebody that's going to hit 270, probably 20, 25 home runs. He's going to walk a lot. With him, it's really where is he going to end up at? Is he going to be a corner outfielder? More than likely, he, he's a left fielder or a first baseman, not a not a catcher. And, uh, you know, he's had some arm issues. He's had some elbow soreness. And, um, you know, is that going to derail him from continuing to catch? Maybe he can stay back there as a catcher because of the uh, because of the rubble umps coming into the game. I expect in a few years, you know, we'll probably see a lot more of that in the game and it'll lead to some more offensive players at catcher, but they're still going to have to be able to handle the staff and, and Wells gets a, a ton of compliments for the way that he uh, leads the team. Um, so maybe, you know, maybe he can stay back there, but I, I see him, more than likely either in left field or first base, probably playing a little bit of both and playing a lot of DH too. Um, if he ends up in the in the AL, which NL could have universal DHs because it sounds like we're, we're going that direction too. Uh, MLB Pipeline has Dil Dylan Dingler from both Jim Callis and uh, Jonathan Mayo. And I always tell folks to keep an eye on Jim Callis because Jim Callis will mention several players to the Indians. And he'll say these four or five guys, and he generally will mention the guys that the Indians end up picking, but he never picks the right guy. <laughs> so in the last few years, he's mentioned college guys there and then and mentioned a few high schoolers. Well, they picked the high schoolers. Um, back down to uh, the, the last guy that I mentioned a moment ago, which was Jared Kelly going from uh, Fangraphs and, both, and ESPN both have Jared Kelly. Interesting combination there because uh, of the relationship between Longenhagen and and, uh, and Kylie McDaniel. You know, so maybe they're hearing something, maybe they're not. Uh, Jerry Kelly's not exactly a perfect fit for the Indians. He's, I think, eighteen point seven on draft day. Uh, a guy that's six three, two hundred pounds, two hundred plus pounds already. But it, you're talking about a kid that's mid upper nineties. He has a plus-plus changeup now, and his slider, which is, is the big knock on him, is about an average. I think it'll be an, an above-average uh, pitch if he uh, develops that more. But when you have a kid that can throw mid-upper 90s and has a that kind of changeup, he doesn't have to throw a slider a whole lot in high school. So uh, the no part of the knock is that, that lack of third pitch or, or what some people say is not a viable third pitch um, for starting pitching long-term, I, I think it's just fine. I think he's got number two upside. And, you know, if he doesn't touch that, he's might, maybe uh, middle of the rotation arm at three. Um, but with premier elite velocity, he's mature physically. If you look at him, some people, I, I've heard one person say that he's soft, uh, meaning he's not a, not a bodybuilder. I really don't care about that. I don't care if he weighs 
230 or whatever he weighs. That doesn't matter to me. Can he throw the ball and does he hit his spots is what matters to me. Um, I, I think those are things that would probably matter to the Indians too. Um, he doesn't have the highest spin rates on on the slider. That's something I think that could be worked with. So I think if he's on the board, if he slips, you know, I think there's potential that they will pluck him if he's there. I look at him and I've got him late rated somewhere in the teens right now, uh, the the latter teens to mid teens. So to me, that would be a value pick if Jared Kelly was on the board for them. Um, you know, I, at 23, my suspicion is the Indians will take whatever player slides to them. So I, I'm looking at players that are probably in the teens to late teens, not kind of dipping down going the opposite direction and, and looking at a player ranked in the thirties or forties and saying, they'll, they'll probably take this guy at 23. I'm looking above that and saying, who, who is it that is likely to kind of fall to them, so to speak, uh, because of other teams preferences and, and things this year. And, and it sounds like, you know, there's a number of guys there. I, I mean, I like Jared Kelly myself. I like a guy I've mentioned numerous times, Jared, uh, Jordan Walker. Uh, I love the bat. I, I think, his bat will produce Fran Mill Reyes type numbers. I'll put it to you that way. Um, you know, he may, he may strike out a lot. He may not hit for the highest average. I don't care. He's going to be a power producing bat in the middle of a lineup. He's going to be a quality third baseman. He's an intelligent player that enjoys the game. You know, that's a guy that intrigues me. Um, there's a shortstop from Illinois at Howard that didn't get to play and he may end up dropping because he didn't get to play that. He's got a decent bet, but he can pick it all day at shortstop. He's going to, when he be, when he is drafted, he will stay at shortstop. Um, you know, I don't want to go too much into it, and I, I think I've said quite a bit already, but, you know, uh, coming coming back to 36, you know, you, you look there, who's going to be there? It, it's hard to say right now. Teams are still filling out players' numbers. Uh, this week we had a significant player pull out of the draft in Dylan Cruz. So teams are going to fill out what guys would take this amount of money. And, and this year you're probably going to see more, more strange things I think occur in the draft maybe where there'll be some deals that are, that are pulled off. Um, teams may get creative. I, I've heard rumors that the Orioles are looking to get creative at pick two so they can save a lot of money for later. And they're looking to spend all of that money. So you may see guys – you know, that have a deal lined up with a team go in the third round or in the second round that you, you think, well, well, he was a first round talent. Well, he was a second round talent. So there's a, a number of ways things can go, but I say, you know, draft the best player on the board, try to sign him, um, work it out. But when it comes out of it, walk away with as much talent as you can get and, and try to get a couple of elite prospects at the top. Yeah. That tends to be the Indian strategy is, is well, has been the last couple of years is wait to see if someone falls to them. Uh, they're good at at least trying to see if they can find value. It didn't really work out with Brady Aiken. Um, we're hoping it works out with guys like Ethan Hankins and uh, Daniel Espino because of team's preferences, like you said. As far as... Yeah, Noah Naylor, Bob Naylor. Uh, Bo Naylor was rated higher. You know, he's a guy, personally, I had in, in my teens. I ranked Noah Naylor, I think, around 15, and, and even Hankins, I, I still had him, I think, around the top 10. And Daniel Espino was a guy I thought could have been a top five pick. So there's a lot of talent there. I mean, my evaluation of them, 
these are guys who had that sort of hype before the seasons. And, you know, you, you look at a guy like Jared Kelly, who was considered a top 10 pick. Now you're saying, well, he's in the twenties, uh, possibly to Cleveland, you know, uh, I think there's value to be had and we'll kind of see how the, the draft plays out for them. And I think they will continue to do what they have done because I think that's what's led them to the success that they have had. Yeah, I would agree. I, I think the guys you mentioned to Ed Howard and uh, obviously Jared Kelly fits that profile to a T um, JT Kitten could be a guy that, that kind of fits into that just because of the Tommy John and, and seeing how guy, teams might stay away from him. Nick Bitsko, I don't, I don't think Nick Bitsko is going to fall that far, but obviously, yeah, obviously, something we've talked about in the past that fits their profile and and it doesn't have as much yeah. a track record because you know he reclassified and teams didn't get to see him this year, so maybe that gives him a slip. I think Patrick Bailey is another one too, where I've seen Patrick Bailey rated higher on some people's boards, um, but has been mocked a lot lower. So I wonder if maybe that's someone that ends up sliding their way and if they're going to go college bad. But for me, it just feels like we can get into this more. I think Monday we agreed to do a, a more, in, I think. A, yeah. Yeah. I but episode, so while we're talking about it right now, I, I'm, I like the Tanner wit. I really like after reading about him, I really like him a lot. He reminds me at least arsenal and maybe slightly build wise of tristan mckenzie obviously mckenzie was a more polished pitcher at the time because he'd been pitching a lot longer and i know he's not as skinny as mckenzie but he's he's tall and he has some room to add weight and uh the pitch mix is kind of similar and i think the mechanics are, are pretty good so i don't know if he'll if they need to take him at, at 23 unless i think they can get him under slot at 23 um I'd be interested in that too. I don't think Westberg makes a ton of sense for their profile. My only thing is this, and I wanted to get more into it next week, but um, you, you'll be able to speak to this better than I can, but what's, and maybe this is more common knowledge than I think what's to stop teams from going more heavy on the amateur side, as far as prep, prep, prep players and forcing the college players to the back of the draft or even falling out of the draft and having to sign for 20K because they're college juniors or they're college seniors and they're only, their best option really is to sign and get started in their pro career and take that 20K versus having to draft them and force a prep player out of the draft and, tell, and him just deciding to go to college because it's either 20K or fifth round money and, and not, or nothing or go to college. You know, when the college players have less options, you can push them backwards and still manage to recruit some of them out of the draft or in the back of the draft. And I think that's kind of what I'm wondering if the Indians might do because they're, they were so good at finding those college players. They can especially go out and pick off pitchers because they can point to the Shane Beavers and the Zach Plesaks and the Mike Clevengers and say, hey, we've helped these guys get to the system and we can help you too because we've done it. Yeah, and you know maybe that's a, a a thing that they will use as a recruiting tool um, to kind of go back to what you were originally saying there. So you, I look at team team drafting philosophy over the last few years, and I'll use the Colorado Rockies as a, as a prime example. If you go back and look at their picks, I, I think in the last three years they've they've chose uh, see Grant Levine, a uh, first baseman from high school, and there was another kid. So they've They've got about two players out of 30 picks 
within the first 10 rounds that were high school players. So every team has their philosophy, their model, um, how they like to draft. Some teams will come back and draft these high school players later and offer them decent bonuses, or they'll just take, uh, they'll take the college players that are there. So it's all about what each team values. And, you know, you look at the Indians draft model and some of the things that they, that they value in their draft model is age. You know, the younger, the better, I have said, for, for the Indians. So you look at a guy like Tanner Witt, who is uh, 17.9 years old. He's six foot six, 200 pounds. Um, he's going to fill out, but he's also a bloodlines player too. So you have hopes that he's more disciplined than, than others. He's more familiar with the game. He may be more advanced um, as far as baseball like you. Uh, his dad was a professional pitcher. So, you know, you, you think that he's going to have that extra development or that extra edge, so to speak, from his dad. Um, that's a guy that, you know, I, I really do like. He's a guy that throws up the boards for me. Um, the more I've looked into him, the more I've liked him. So, you know, I, I do think he would be a possibility for them. I, I really feel like, you know, they'll watch the guys kind of rated higher, but who knows how the Indians have their board stacked too, you know. They've, they've had years of tracking these guys and have people doing this professionally. Whereas, you know, I, I do this on the side and I do track guys for almost a year or more, um, but I don't have the views and the time in the, a lot of these, you know, these, these other, uh, the scouts do professionally, you know. Um, I think the big thing that hinders all of that is every team has their own, you know, uh, their own draft philosophy and they're going to apply that to what they think will be the best for their organization. And we may see something a little bit different this year. You, you, you may see a, a team that, you know, is cash strapped. Let's use the uh, Oakland athletics for an example. They may surprise everybody and, and draft a guy like Burl uh, Caraway, a reliever from Dallas Baptist that could probably pitch in the big leagues right now. Now he's going to be wild, but he's going to get outs too. Uh, so it would be beneficial for the big league club. And, you know, it would, it would, uh, minimize what they're going to pay out to him so you know you, you assume if they do something like that that they're going to go under slot and i'm just using the the a's as an example but there's a number of teams that could do something like that they may look for the college guys early that could develop right away that could even help so if you know as we talked about earlier what if there's only a 50 game season and you can add a lefty reliever that can help right away that maybe work as a setup man you know i mean that's a that's a big addition that you're not trading for um that's somebody that you uh, are getting extra value out of because you're getting that value immediately. And you can always send them back down next year to, to crispen things up a little bit, to sharpen things up a little bit. Yeah. I mean, teams generally will stick to their models, I guess, but it's just a, such a different year that you might, you might see some deviate from that is all I'm thinking. Um, it's just going to be a different, I mean, it was supposed to be a deep draft and, it still is, but I just think this has more of an impact on more prep players going to college and, um, and yeah. And then, and having Absolutely. college players with a little less leverage than they would have had before, um, which helps teams out. They're going to go about their drafting. We'll get into that more next week. I think Monday, like we said, Monday, We'll do a full draft podcast. We'll just focus on that. We'll talk about your big board and your mock drafts. And um, I've got some players. I've been I've been doing a lot more reading this year than 
I ever have in the draft. So I'm, I'm fully prepared to come with my own notes on Monday. And uh, there's some, there's some guys that I, I mean, Tanner, what was Tanner, what was new to me when he was mocked there by Keith law, which um, was a surprise to me. Austin Wells is someone I haven't done any reading on. So that name was a surprise. I know a little bit about Westberg. I prefer personally, I prefer Westberg's uh, double play partner, Justin Foskey a little bit more than, than him. But, uh, doesn't also quite the, fit the Indians draft model, but if you were taking one of those two, I would prefer him. Uh, but those are all things I'd love to get into more next week as the draft is next Wednesday. So Monday we'll have a full-blown draft episode of, of Smoke Signals. Um, really looking forward to that. Anything else you want to add here at the end? Anything you want to promote? I know you've got a couple more draft pieces in the hopper and we've got diamonds in the rough. Uh, shout out to uh, Joe Koblitz, who I, I don't know if we ever really talked about it, but Joe Koblitz, who uh, was formerly running Bernie River Baseball, and I had written there previously at IBI, uh, joined us at the outset of – it was about – got canceled or shut down. He joined us. Uh, he's been doing a lot of those as I've been uh, starting a new job full-time, and um, I've been doing the – this day I've been alternating this day in Indians minor league history with uh, Arthur Kinney and trying to get your draft stuff uh, posted and on social media. So time for me writing has been a little bit sparse and in some, on some days. Um, and I also just have not felt as compelled to write with everything going on. And as I've in the past, but uh, shout out to Joe for uh, taking care of a lot of those diamonds that are off. So please go read those. If you're a subscriber and if you're not, and you want to read those, it's a lot of prospects that we don't have in the top 50 or didn't make the cutting room floor that, um, you know, still are interesting names or guys that are worth talking about. So read those if you haven't. And thanks to Joe for, for writing a bunch of those and we'll have to have them on the podcast at some point. So um, draft wise, what do you have coming up, Willie? We've got a mod coming up soon. I'm uh, working on some player rankings too. So those will be out, some more big board pieces. I will have a, a draft primer rolling out. I am on vacation next week, so I am going to be spending a lot of time uh, focusing in on the draft and putting out a lot more content. There's there's going to be some, a few more of the uh, big board pieces too, um, and there'll be a little bit of free content in there for everyone. I'd, I'd like everyone to have a look at the uh, player rankings whenever I put those out. And, you know, we're all free to form our opinions, but I'm going to put mine out <laughs> yeah, there. Yeah, that'll be good. Time. I know – I think we have one more big board still sitting in, in the draft section that I got to uh, finish forming for you. And then, um, you know, those are all obviously insider only pieces. So if you want to read more about the draft, uh, only four ninety nine a month. And this is the time of year, what, you know, February and March and June, I would say are the best months to be an insider at Indians baseball insider. Not that we don't want you, you know, reading, you know, year, year round, but um, it's only a month long commitment. You can, you don't have to go down a month, but from, for, if you, if you were to subscribe right now for five dollars four ninety nine, you could literally go back and you could read all 50 of the top 50 prospect uh, profiles, scouting reports that we did this year, plus cutting room floor and diamond diamonds in the rough and all of your draft content whether it's mock drafts, big boards, and all of the profiles uh, and stuff we'll be writing about, you'll be writing about the draft 
uh, next week. So there's really for 499. If if you really want to read some real baseball stuff and you're you're an Indians fan, this is 100 percent the time to to spend 499 at least one time and consume everything. Binge binge read. You know if you're if you can take it, binge read. I know binge watching is is more fun, but if you like reading about baseball, I would I would imagine this is the month to do it uh, from our perspective. And it's going to be good content. I'm looking forward to all the draft stuff. And um, it usually absolutely. Uh, I'll be I'll be putting all the player profiles together as they are drafted. So I'll have a few up um, Wednesday night. Starts the draft at 7 p.m. Uh, you can watch on ESPN or on MLB uh, Network. Um, and then Thursday, they will resume, I believe, at 5 p.m. Uh, Eastern time. And again, on ESPN 2, I think, uh, the second day. And then again, on MLB Network. But I'll have profiles on those. And then once the undrafted free agents uh, do sign, and, and if in the sign, yeah, if the Indians sign any of them, I will, uh, I will write up those guys as well. Uh, so there'll be the six draft picks and then whatever, whatever players that sign is on drafted free agents will be written up. And, and then, uh, as I said, there'll be more draft content rolling out next week. So could be a, a few times or, or a few pieces a day early next week uh, for folks to check out. And as you said, there's a lot of content there. I've already covered over a hundred players and I have, uh, I have some other pieces in the works right now. So there'll be some stuff up that's for free and then there'll be some other stuff that will be <laughs> Yeah, I can't talk. There will be some other stuff behind the paywall. Um, but as you said, it, this is a great time. If you um, want to see all of those pieces, right now is the time to see all of that. You'll have it for the next month and you'll be able to go back and look at what we put together in spring as far as all the prospects and then covering the uh, diamonds in the rough and then I, I know that, you know, we'll be creative and we'll continue writing stuff. Uh, there'll be a lot of content to come. We're not done when, with the draft, you know. The J2, the uh, July 2nd period is going to be upon us before we know it. And I will uh, deep dive into a few of the players as best as I can. Um, and I will also go back into some and, and kind of do some recaps on some drafts and some of the July 2 players that have really came out too. So I'll take a a historical look over the last uh, few years and see how the Indians have done with the July 2 period and then also with the draft. So plenty of content to come and still things to write about. Um, we're not one and done with the draft, you know, so keep an eye out for all of that stuff. And, and you know, as I have time, I'm going to. Yeah, definitely grateful. You are <laughs> definitely the IBI backbone. I can say right now when the, when it comes to this stuff and uh, I'm sure we'll be, hearing from Jared Zyber too on some of the stuff, which will be good to have more. Jared and I have a, a mock in the works right now. Uh, I've, I've been rather busy this week while well, the last few weeks, just some things going on personally. Uh, and I know Jared has too. So I, I've kind of held those off. I, I, I love mock drafts, but I think you can overwhelm with mock drafts too. And you can spend too mm -hmm. much time doing them, you know, um, I, they, they are what they are is this is an idea. This is some of the rumors and these are more than educated. Yes. There's a lot of rumors uh, that help form some of the, uh, the selections that we made in, in the one that we've got in the hopper right now. Um, Got to finish polishing that one up and it will be up soon. Um, 
as, as I said, as time permits, working a, working a full-time job with a family and, and a lot of uh, things going on, a lot of other variables right now. Um, it's, it's, uh, it's challenging and it's rewarding and something that I enjoy. So I, I hope uh, everyone takes a minute to sit back and, you know, read and enjoy uh, and just uh, take, a, take a deep breath, drink a cup of coffee, tea, whatever it is, energy drink, whatever you like. And enjoy some of the reading, some of the writings that we've got up. Yeah, That's lots to come. I know I, I've been planning this for a while. I'm going to sit down and, and um, do a couple pieces that will be um, without a paywall, which will be prospects impacted by not having a season or, or a shortened season, whatever happens with the AFL. But I'll be talking about prospects that uh, will be impacted by this. Um, and I'm going to write about prospects who might have an impact on the, on the, on the roster um, concerning the rosters will be expanded if there is baseball this year and, and there'll be kind of a, a taxi squad. So I'm going to write both of those pieces separately and I plan on both of those being uh, free to read. So there's still a lot to come on the site. So stick with us. We're not going anywhere. Um, me before I just needed that break and um, I'm glad to be talking about baseball, especially the draft with you again. And um Hopefully, I think I think next week we'll probably have a podcast as well as a, after the draft is over. I can imagine too. So there's still a lot to lot to talk about in the coming weeks. Yep. Yeah, I I can foresee uh, uh, wanting to review the players and just talk about them um, between you and I, and maybe we could always do a shadow draft. Even you know, there's there's a lot of variables there, a lot of a lot of fun things that we could uh, talk about there. Um, but it's going to be good to see baseball highlighted on ESPN and MLB Network. Um, too bad it's not 40 rounds and stretched out over a week. Like I said, that you know would be a great way to promote the game. But I will give MLB Network and Major League Baseball uh, props for um, expanding the coverage and also having in some preview shows. Uh, I noticed that they were on MLB Network tonight at 6 p.m. and I believe there's other nights this. This week and early next week, they will have some shows on there. So if you want to get educated a little bit more about some of these prospects, yep, I watched that earlier. I'd it was good. It I'm sure they'll be rerunning them. So check it out. Um, yeah, I think that wraps it up. We'll be back Monday with a podcast. So maybe um, late Monday night or early Tuesday morning, check your podcast feed. We'll have another one out next week. And uh, until then, check everything out at IBI and, uh, you know, be good to each other and, have conversations about being good people. That's really all I can say. We said at the beginning, but uh, thanks for listening and we'll, we'll be back next week.